Hi, I'm Ryan O'Hara, CEO and founder of Pitchfire. You're listening to Take Me Off Your List, presented by Pitchfire. They pay us the big bucks, and if you use them, they'll pay you the big bucks to get paid to get pitched. Take Me Off Your List is the rally cry of millions of B2B professionals out there. This podcast tackles all kinds of things around go-to-market. So whether you're in marketing, demand gen, sales, or just like the sound of my voice, you've come to the right place. Let's get started, shall we? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Take Me Off Your List. I have with me today someone that is not only been an early champion for Pitchfire, but a really cool uh, person in the marketing demand gen space that's always doing crazy cutting edge experiments. And I always try and ask him for advice on what's going on here. And that's what we're going to do today. Everyone say hi to Evan Dunn at ServiceBell. What's up, Evan? Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm glad you weren't like, hey, it's pronounced Yvonne. You're a jerk. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then you just leave the pod. I know you kind of just started at ServiceBell uh, a couple, what, what, a couple weeks ago, actually. Like, uh, what are you yep. doing there? Tell, tell the people. Yeah, yeah. ServiceBell is a, it's a surprising company. If you go on to servicebell.com right now, someone will probably try to video call you through the website. Um, it's incredibly effective for companies selling to people teams like uh, sales, HR, marketing. And it's not just a video chat. It's got all the powerful orchestration stuff underneath scheduler, router alerts, segments, company detection. We're launching a dialer in the next month or two and uh, really aiming to be um, an all bound, you know, inbound to outbound, outbound to inbound growth engine for teams that believe that live conversations matter. I find that's a big uh, sticking point for a lot of companies right now as everyone's moving to experiment with automation and AI and do everything asynchronously. You know, you still have a scheduling link, right? You still, everyone's still looking to to connect live and and being able to connect live on the website or facilitate meeting bookings through the website. That's the name of the game with all these boring websites that B2B companies have. So yeah, it's, I, it's an exciting space to be in. I, I love that you're doing this. Um, many years ago in 2008, that's how old this is. I made a fake business that did this. It was called, um, man, I can't remember what it was called, but I basically was like, we take a Skype and we open a Skype. This is back in the day. You open, you have a Skype. I did it in college, like as a, as a paper um, and made a business plan for it where like you keep a Skype open and reps are just hanging out on Skype all day and people can just pop in and ask questions and pop out. This is before live chat was a big thing either online and stuff. So like, it, it like, it was crazy and really bad. This sounds like exactly like what the world needs. We might maybe we'll look into this too, even though we're doing a lot more product-led growth stuff lately. Um, so you, today, one of the things we always talk about is like you love doing cool experiments. You're one of the first people to send some pitches on Pitchfire. And I was like, I bet this guy does a lot of crazy stuff. Um, talk about your framework of like how you think about experimenting as a demand gen marketing leader. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. I, I've talked to a lot of founders in the last few months, like so many, I can't even CRM them anymore. I don't I don't know who they are, where they are, but they've been great conversations and everyone's got this new mentality about efficient growth, right? Um, what does it actually look like to aim for profitability within a, a one to three year span, right? And so I, I talked to founders who are, all they want to do is raise one round, all they want to do is raise a couple rounds, maybe raise nothing, right? Like it's a whole different ballgame. Well, 
the the conversation goes something like this. I ask them something along the lines of, are you confident about your marketing plan, your your year-long marketing plan for 2024? Unanimously, the answer is no. I, I'm not even sure if it'll work after one or two or three months. And then, and then we have a conversation where I'll, I'll nudge in the direction of, have you thought instead of that marketing plan of creating a single spreadsheet? This is so simple, right? It's like, it's painfully simple. Creating a single spreadsheet where each row is an experiment. That experiment is a hypothesis, right? A hypothesis that audience segment A, which is companies with 50 to 250 headcount, companies that are in X industry that have X on their website or missing this piece on their website, um, et cetera, have this person on their team, um, all, all the kinds of attributes that could make up a good hypothesis. And then you have the full funnel of metrics from conversations to to recording links so that you can, can see the, the sort of uh, verbatims, right, that come with the territory. You could see how many ops are created, how many closed one, how many closed lost. Um, you can do all the ratios of conversion along that. And then, you know, customers gained, how many of those are successful, reach value, are willing to become case studies, right? So the, the whole life cycle, right? along a single experiment line. And and what's what's funny, this is such a weird paradigm shift. It it shouldn't be, but it is because we get so into like setting up yeah. your CRM to capture everything, right? Yeah. But what I find is like all this operations effort generally goes to what you could call like an aggregate of everything. Like we track all of our prospects, all of and all the emails with them and all the calls with them, all of our meetings, all of our opportunities, all of our customers. And that's very helpful, but you know, I've talked with a few founders where I asked, like, do you have product market fit? And they'll say, well, we have 25 people or more using the, the tool successfully. It's like, yeah, but what are they doing? What specifically are those? Is it the same? Yeah. That, you know, no, it's it's thematic, right? They're using it for this use case. This other cohort is using it for this use case. Until you can get that granular on your business, you can't make smart pivots. You can't experiment into success and fail fast out of bad avenues. So that's kind of the gist nutshell. So uh, um, one thing I used to kind of think about, I did a talk on this uh, for Terminus at Flip My Funnel many years ago. I called it campaign-based prospecting. Mm. And the idea is basically you do something cr like crazy or experimental with prospecting, but you don't do a one-off. You do it as like mm. a whole campaign. So like, and I've talked about this, I think before and other stuff, if people follow me, but like, you might like, if you make music videos for prospects, don't make one, make five. Mm. And then see if they respond. If you uh, write poetry and record yourself reading a poem to a prospect, make five, make 10. I want to see these campaigns. Where's yeah. my poem, Ryan? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've done some of the, I, it's too bad that you heard using Pitchfire because we've done some cool stuff with people before. Um, but like, I love the idea of doing experimenting. Mm. Uh, and framing your whole marketing plan that year on what experiments are we going to run. And then the cool part is if an experiment's successful, you just make that something you keep doing, right? Yeah. And you scale up and you'll have mechanisms of scale, right? For instance, don't put paid media behind it until you have cold calling and cold emailing show results enough and, and verbatim feedback that says they're interested or it's just not the right time, but, the, but it's valid, right? Um, that feedback loop is really what we're talking about, right? To know when something is a failure. And that's what I find most 
founders are not don't have visibility to and the founders who haven't run anything yet and haven't done GTM are scared of is not being able to know what isn't working so they can invest in what is. It's the name of the game. So, so how do you when you so if we were hypothetically looking at this spreadsheet you're talking about right now, mm -hmm. what's in it exactly? So someone's listening to this they're like, yeah, I love this idea. 2024 is coming up. Our marketing plan is boring, generic. All these companies have the same 30, 60, 90 plan. And then they're like, well, then we'll do this in Q4. But like, we, this is soft. We might change it based on what happens in Q1. Um, yeah. You're just doing this experimental design idea of like, I'm going to prove a hypothesis right or wrong uh, during these months. Do you, what do you like? What's the framework for it? Like, do you just basically, is it hypothesis first? Is it persona first? Or like, what, what do you mm. do? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, let's let's talk about three things in that prioritization, channel, and um, uh, well, we'll talk about the hypothesis first. Prior then prioritization, channel, and um, sample size for results. Right. So first thing, the hypothesis definition. You'll be surprised if you just go around and ask any sales and marketing team. You you probably wouldn't, but like the people listening, probably like. What do I come up with as hypotheses? Just go ask your head of sales what they think your best customer looks like, right? Ask your head of marketing what they think the best customer looks like. Ask them independently. Get all the different answers. Drop them in a spreadsheet, right? Now, this spreadsheet is not your experimentation spreadsheet. It's the startup. So then um, prioritization, right? Ruthlessly prioritize three that you think are the top. How do you get to that? An alignment across teams? Well, you don't sit in meetings like I have for four hours and argue, because that <laughs> never gets anything. What yeah. you do independently of anyone else, you collect all those experiments. Um, you're just the scrappy person in there, maybe the demand gen marketer, maybe the maybe the principal SDR or something like that. You just want to get stuff done. You create uh, five columns, uh, R-I-C-E, rice scoring. This is from product management frameworks. And this is how oh, good we projects- Oh, we do this for our product. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thought out for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So reach, impact, confidence, effort. And there's a few riffs on this, and I've done a couple of tweaks myself. Yeah. Um, but um, the reach is, let's say, how many people fit the, the persona in the hypothesis, let's say. Uh, impact is how uh, big of a win this will be for them and for the company if we're successful with this experiment. It's all subjective. So I use one to four uh, scoring because, you know, uh, Daniel Kahneman, the whole like, if you give yourself a one to five, everyone picks three. This is a cheap answer. So forces you, you to pick a two or three. Do you do one to four for rice? So like you're doing it for each, yeah. like impact is one to four. So yeah. when we did ours, we did ours on a scale of 10. And then we mm -hmm. multiply, like to set the priority, we multiplied them all at the end. But like for people listening, by the way, you basically give a score for each of the categories that Evan just said. And he's he's doing it one to four uh, for this, but like yeah. that score that you give basically helps you with figuring out like, will this actually have an impact? Cool, that that cranks it up and gets it higher in the rankings. Yeah. For Sorry, any just, even number scale is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, that's helpful for people. So, so yeah, R I C E each get a score, right? And the only negative detractor one is is the E, the effort. If it's high effort, that's bad. If it's low effort, that's good. Or you can just do make it the the denominator in the final equation rather than multiplying all together, right? And and take it away from the others. Uh, the confidence is how sure are you? Are you going to pull this off? So you have reach, impact, confidence, effort, right? Now, out of that, people can only argue over those scores, 
They can argue all day long. That's fine. But the final calculations, you can't debate, right? Yeah, this is why product managers use it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was um, blown away when I learned about this framework, by the way. It was super helpful. We were doing like a retreat to figure out our product stuff and what to build first. And like Ryan Hart, who's one of our advisors, came up with this. We're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So love it. it's interesting to do it for marketing. It's brilliant to do it for marketing because we need to think like this. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I think treating GTM, treating marketing as a product is kind of what's been missing for the last few years, right? There's a, we could talk, we could turn this whole episode into a diatribe about how little organized marketers are and how they tend to run after the shiny thing. And they, they get a, they get a reputation for this, but this is how to change that, that, that game. And I truly believe demand gen ABM marketers are very interested in this kind of approach. Just no one's handed them a template. And I can, we can follow up to this episode too with the next yeah, template. We can definitely this, do another, we can definitely do another too. I always have people on talking about more than stuff. So like to, to track back to this. So you're doing, you do your rice. Uh, that sounds really cool when we say it that way, but you do your analysis on that end to do priorities. Um, you're talking about the hypothesis priorities. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So then you've got your top priorities, right? The end result is, and, and so I did this at Conway. We had a bunch of product marketers and a small digital marketing team. And, and it was difficult for me to manage the desires of the product marketing team in terms of what we're going to test. And um, so, you know, I put in my 20 ideas. They put in their 20. We scored them all together. We came up with top three. We ran them. We, we ended up having LinkedIn ads out of that experimentation framework. Hadn't done any before this, producing second highest number of opportunities behind SDR outbound. So just focusing in on delivering the experiments produce great results. So you've got your top priority experiments. Then you need to think about what's the best way to test these. And almost always, I can guarantee you, either it's going to be cold calling on validated numbers, or it's going to be cold email if you're really good at deliverability inbox rotation, the name of the game today, right? You can't just drop this into outreach and expect outreach, which is damned the world to Spamageddon, <laughs> uh, you know? single-handedly responsible, I would say. The, um, uh, the, and you can't just call numbers. You've got to actually have run them through validation. You know, um, you can't just drop them into Orem and parallel dial. You've got to run them through validation. There's a bunch of different great ways to do that. Um, but the reason I bring those up is because of feedback loops. Ultimately, the, the, the whole heart of this effort is to create feedback loops you've never had before. And the reason I say a spreadsheet, a Google sheet, literally an online shareable Google sheet, and that's painful for people, right? We all wanted to be in CRM, is because your CRM will not allow you the flexibility to build this and, and run these experiments, get the feedback loops visible quickly. You could have coefficient.io pipe stuff into the spreadsheet if you really want CRM-driven metrics along the funnel. But you've got to be real good at tagging, real good at tracking, and attributing to this experiment. Um, and so and so I use UTMs on the emails out. I use, you know, um, uh, uh, send people to specific pages when they're cold calling, that kind of stuff. Like there's ways to to get visibility to the, the feedback traffic. But ultimately what matters is replies and conversations, right? And meetings and how much of those turn into opportunities. So that's the channel piece, right? Um, and and then once you find success later, you can talk about paid behind it, paid retargeting on it. And you can talk about, um, you know, go buying newsletter and podcast audiences that are relevant to that niche, that persona, right? 
Evan, real quick, when you're doing the experiment with cold calling and cold emailing, is it more experimenting with the persona and the messaging? Is that kind of the idea? Or is it like, is it experimenting with them going to a link and seeing if a page convert? Like what's what's kind of this? Is it any of that? Yeah, totally. I think marketers get really distracted by by messaging level experimentation. And that's not bad. But I would say first your goal is to experiment at pain that the persona has, pain by persona, right? Do they yeah. have the pain that fits our product? And and that means you have to get to a discovery conversation, right? Whether that's via email, via survey, via call, right? If you can't really qualify on pain, then you really need to go back to the drawing board as a business. Like the and and there's there's companies that worked with companies that are at that stage that need to revisit what is our pain map? Who has this pain? How much does it hurt? What does it mean to them when they have the pain? You can get meetings and opportunities without even selling your product, just asking. Think about it, right? If you have a gaping wound in your side and someone pokes it and says you should go to the doctor, that's sufficient to send you to the doctor, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, hey, maybe we should get that hole fixed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And this is gap selling. This is consultative selling. Um, the you know, this is the open questions and never split the difference by Chris Voss, right? This is pretty basic stuff for expert sellers. What marketers fail to equip the sales team with is a framework for understanding pain that's simple and, and digestible so that the SDRs, so that the AEs can sound like experts on that pain, right? Um, just like a triage nurse should be able to, right? It's interesting. I just saw I just saw someone do a post on LinkedIn about this, like, a good rep is really good at shining a spotlight on pain, not product. And yes. that's, that's exactly what you're kind of saying here. Do you, do you, so you do these experiments over cold email and cold calling and stuff. What does success look like? Like, how do you know, like, yeah. I did this. I, I, I actually, you know, what's funny is I used to talk about this um, in 2016 at Lead IQ. We were really doing a lot of positioning on like, mm-hmm. you take your personalization when you do outreach, when you have product market fit and you know this stuff. And people would come and be like, oh, sometimes it's okay to like, to send templates out and stuff. And I used to push back, but I'd be like, the only exception is if you're experimenting and testing something. So like, mm. I'll give you an example. At Lead IQ, we thought that uh, there used to be a company called Datanize that went under that people oh, used yeah. to mm-hmm. use technology on like a company. Or they got bought by Zoom Info, actually, I think is what ended up happening. But like... Um, they had a plugin that they used on LinkedIn that went under. And I had this hypothesis of like, Hey, Dave and I's customers would probably be a good group for us to put spend on. Let's go after people that follow Dave and I's ads and Dave and I's uh, pages and stuff like that. Before we did that, I just sent a bunch of emails out to Dave and I's customers to see how they'd react. And like, mm-hmm. it might sound dumb, but like, I had like a 16% reply rate on it. I was like, bingo, that's pretty good. Yeah. Most yeah. of them were positive. Like, I do miss that tool. What do you guys do? And I was like, man, this sounds like something we should put some money into. So like, is that kind of the framework? Like you're like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, complexity is the enemy, right? And already by turning everything into an experimental framework, you're, you're introducing a lot of new process, new complexity, new mentality, right? So the more you can simplify within an experiment, the better, because you don't get to complexify that experiment until you know that persona has that pain, you know, the renewal dates on all the competitors they've bought for it. Right. And you're, you're, then running templated 
uh, scale up programs that uh, and and personalization because you here here's the problem right if you get into personalization and and super powerful growth hacking fun tricks on a persona that's not a fit game over yeah. and this is what I see a lot of right there's tons of great AI clay.com is amazing I use it for a thousand things tons of great consultants that are building these super powerful workflows that are very step intensive and what I don't hear enough of is here's why we're running this workflow at all. And so they're getting, maybe they're getting responses, but but do they know the full funnel, like track through on this versus another audience, right? Because very few products are monolithic in their go-to-market or should be, right? Uh, Syncery where I was at, I mean, serving rev ops and marketing ops and sales ops and IT and data ops, right? So each of those and, and CRO because of downstream impact and you know each of those is an experiment in itself without even going by company size or any other parameter. Um, I actually got this whole idea from basically two steps in my career. One being a product manager, uh, uh, you know, in, in learning the rice score while I was also running multivariate ad testing. And I would explain to Esri and Xerox and Haibu and Kodak, um, who I was working with, you know, uh, there's a reason that that agencies don't do this. It's complicated. It puts a lot of work up front and a lot of work at the back to analyze the results. And and the reason is if you have three audiences and five creatives in an ad framework, right? Uh, and um, uh, let's say five messages, three audiences and two channels, that's two times three times five. We're at... Uh, 35 different possible winners or losers and trying to aggregate across that. It's really complicated. The same thing can happen if you go with too many experience and, and too much complexity inside of the experiments. So what are your top hypotheses? Go back to that prioritization exercise, go back to the pain map, pick where you think the biggest pain is that's most achievable and, and, and you know, where you can solve it the best with your product. And then the output of these things, when you do these experiments with like cold calling, cold emailing, or uh, by the way, earlier you were saying like, hey, SDRs and AEs that prospect might not like hearing this. The thing is they can do this with you, right? Like you can do it in tandem. 100%. I just talked to a 1200 person company where the chief of staff is looking to innovate uh, and figure out how she can create alignment. And I, I offered up this idea of experimentation pods. You know, you don't have to like steer the whole ship, just set off a little lifeboat, right? Of this, this experimentation pod where you have two SDRs and a demand gen person, because the demand gen person thinks about the framework, thinks about the attribution, the reporting, the recording, you know, uh, can offer targeting, help build lists, hopefully if they're that, that right disposition. Um, and the SDRs are game for this and they want this because here's the, it relieves so much pressure from sales. If what you're saying is we are together going to experiment into success and failure, the failures we will drop behind us and keep moving with the successes, here's the framework. Everyone in sales everywhere is so tired of getting swung around pivots, being told now this is your list, now this is your yeah. message, and they're just like, yeah. why? I'm better think at this upset, myself. Think how upsetting it would be if you're an SDR and your company's like, Hey, you know how we told you to go after VPs of demand gen? We now want you to go after VPs of marketing instead. And if yeah. you do that, you're like, wait, did I do something wrong? Why did this happen? Yeah. Versus how you're framing it, like, we're gonna try demand gen for 30 days. Let's see what happens with marketing next. Um, 100%. How do you output it after? 
Yeah. So yeah. let's say you run an experiment and you're like, holy crap, this worked. Um, do you think this the success metric is different for everyone? Like you just know it when you see it, or do you have like a to some extent? But I mean, there's nothing like listening to recordings as a marketer, right? Because I don't sit with that many prospects relative to the sales team, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I love it when the SDRs send me a recording. Like, yes, let me hear exactly the language and the tone and like, you know, and cold calls are different than emails and all that kind of stuff. But but ultimately, you want a body of verbatim feedback alongside aggregate metrics for an experiment. The aggregate metrics should be sufficient and, and substantive. So it shouldn't just be we got five conversations. And you everyone knows the CRO or the head of sales like this, who's like, oh, I talked to this one guy and we're, we should go this direction. We're moving because... the whole company over to this because of this one conversation. I've seen, dude, I've probably been guilty of it too. <laughs> that That is such like a, a tail wagging the dog dynamic, right? Where you... you you know, and this and marketers, I think, have more mentality of like, what is what is enough look like? But everyone I know, everyone, and this is why Pitchfire and Leader Pro are out there changing the game with these meeting marketplaces. Everyone is struggling just to get in front of people, right? Um, especially the the higher ups, the directors and above, right? Um, everyone's been over pitched and over busy and and swamped and exhausted and depressed about the economy and all that. So, so. You know, quick side note there, pipeline resuscitation. You go to pitch fire, you pitch someone, you do a little homework on them on their account. I got great meetings that way with some big name companies. Um, did. One of the things we noticed from you that we learned a lot from is you, when you're paying, do personalization still. <laughs> it works a lot better. Yeah. Don't send the same pitch to everybody. You had like, you like broke our metrics with how many people took meetings with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to like, I had to isolate you out. We were doing reports of like what the acceptance rate is right now. <laughs> Good. I'll try to keep it that way. And you don't always have that luxury, but 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 that's the thing. If um if you know what your best responding personas are like because you've been experimenting, and I'll get back to your success question here in a sec. You've been experimenting, you know what the best personas look like, then all of a sudden it becomes pretty easy for the marketer and the SDR and the AE to together just recognize it. It becomes a language learned and shared, right? Um Oh well, that company is in that industry, and they're a little bit smaller than than our sweet spot. So I'm not going to prioritize that today. That becomes a back of the mind, you know, back of your mind kind of calculation rather than not knowing anything. Right? We're trying to reduce the unknown. So in terms of actually knowing what success looks like on the scale side, in early experiments, you could have, you know, uh, ten ops created be enough to say you know, uh, this is, and, but it's going to be ops created versus conversations, right? Because there, there's a, there's a few things to consider, right? Windows of time. If you're pitching right now, you're going to have people saying, let's talk in weeks, right? Let's talk in February. Some of the responses we're getting, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Record it accurately in your CRM with a date stamp for outreach and come back to it. This is a muscle that needs to be built in the B2B SaaS world. I don't know why everything has to close this quarter or we kill the deal, but that's a really unhealthy spot to be. So that doesn't mean it failed. So you need a metric for like positive follow-ups, right? Positive engagement. Yeah. And that's different than meetings booked. Meetings booked is can't be the end all be all. And, and you'll hear great shops like Apex Revenue talk about this too, that, that having a conversation where someone reveals the pain, confirms they have the pain, reveals they bought something else to do it. Just put, I have a field in Service Bell 
for who has qualified or drift because we're less expensive and, and as good or better than those tools, you know, uh, and, and exactly which month we're going to reach back out because they've told us, you know, what we say to them, Ryan, we say, look, uh, worst case scenario, you get a discount on those licenses because you let us into, into compete, right? You, everyone who's competing with bigger, more expensive vendors, which is a lot of teams right now should be pulling off that pitch anyways. So it could be 10 opportunities. It could be, could be 20 conversations that they give you enough to, to fail it out or succeed it into the next framework. But man, if, if any one person listens to this today and decides like, I'm going to go make that spreadsheet and start on two experiments, like that's huge. It's going to change the environment, the culture, the feeling of what success and failure look like. It's going to get people on board with something to work towards and not against. I love that. And so like when something works, you'll, what's the follow-up for it? You'd be like, oh, now we're going to pay for LinkedIn ads with this or like hundred percent. Yeah. Kind of like what happens or like we'll run webinars to it. We'll, we'll go find newsletters that aim at this audience. We'll go find influencers in this audience, become friends with them, turn them into channel partners. We'll go find the channel partners that serve this audience, right? Like every piece we'll find the communities that are dedicated to this audience. There's, there's a world of opportunity out there beyond that point. You could have one, two, three levels of scale too, where there's like big paid media dollars because here's the thing, after a couple levels of experimentation, you might actually know how much dollars in and effort in produces actual dollars out. And imagine that, right? Imagine <laughs> lanes of success that are measurable, attributable, right? This is what every founder reporting to any board right now is hunting for. The problem is they're dealing with aggregate metrics. They look at a dashboard that says ops created, you know, conversations had, meetings held, uh, revenue attained. Aggregate metrics suck for everyone. They are inactionable, useless junk that only the board cares about. You get to those by getting granular within them and working on personas and lanes and channels. I honestly could see also that like your marketing leader, your team, if you're a founder listening to this, you, you could actually have like, hey, I want you to show me what experiments you're doing this month. And then they 100%. can refer that back to the board. The board wants yes. to see doing things and trying new things, not just doing the same stuff you already did yeah. to grow. Yeah, the story that that compelled this framework to to final existence in my head. That was a terrible sentence. The story that really is behind <laughs> this uh, yeah. is is at Airwallex. Um, I was pretty confident that our, our SMB offering in the United States did not have product market fit. Um, and I was not uh, believed by uh, leaders well above me. Um, metrics, I thought, were on my side. So I worked with an excellent SDR um, to buy cult validated phone number lists and then eight different industries were the hypothesis. In that case, the industry was a tight ICP within an, or, uh, within an industry. The hypothesis was such. And cold called along those eight within two months, booking one meeting a day, right? Churned out three of the industries. We had three that were clearly successful and two that were undetermined. Um, and another two months, five meetings a day, one cold caller. I heard after that what a normal SDR quota is like. And ever since my mind has been reeling, like, how did we get here? Yeah, you know? that's that's unreal because I mean, people are happy to get a meeting a day sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a meeting a day is excellent, right? That's 20. That's, you know, yeah, yeah that's yeah. Um, 
So, but but that this that was a single spreadsheet, buying good numbers, getting good data, right? Which that takes a lot of discipline. You can't discount the effort to like fill the hopper for the sales team and and keep the the juice flowing. And I do think marketing should own that in B2B. Um yeah, because we have the budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also but, allows a little bit more sales and marketing alignment too, if everyone's buying into the the experiments together. Yeah. And then I know exactly how to replicate that list across advertising audiences, across other channels, how to identify it. The other thing is an inbound becomes part of this story. So for, for Service Bell, that we're running a PFT experiment, people facing teams. So HR tech, MarTech, sales tech, because their audiences don't mind the video call on the website, right? Typically. Yeah. Um, and uh, when companies come inbound, I'm also marking that they're part of those lists, that they're part of that segment, right? So that it still goes to the sum of the, the hypothesis validation efforts and says, you know, yeah, it looks like these people do like us, you know? That's essentially what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, Evan, we got to have you back on to do some other stuff. This is really cool. I'm like really excited about this topic because I feel like I've never heard anyone talk about this like this mm -hmm. before. Um, I, if I thought I was alone. I will give a shout out to OpenView, former VP of marketing. Her name escapes me, but but they invested a lot in this concept and, and to the point where they were saying, look, we... Um, we think your your annual marketing plan needs to go away. You you need to shift to an experimentation framework. I think it's great, especially with the way that everything just changes so quickly. Like last year, we saw like a bunch of philosophy and 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 uh, how you handle budget change because of like Silicon mm -hmm. Valley Bank collapsing, and then VCs mm -hmm. stopped doing funding because they're like, we don't know what's going on with the economy and speculation, and like. It basically turned into like, hey, everyone hold on to your budget and extend runway as quickly as possible. And now all these companies are like, hey, why didn't we grow? <laughs> and it's like, it's so true. I wonder why. <laughs> what yeah. you do? You can start real small with an experimentation framework. We're talking sub $1,000 to get one experiment going, right? Um, with a good list and, and the right channels and data and tech. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, everyone can go fi fi uh, find Evan. I did great speaking there. Look at that. <laughs> uh, everyone can go find Evan on LinkedIn. You can find him, Evan Dunn. Uh, go check out Service Bell. I actually, we, we might check out Service Bell. That sounds interesting to me. The, the um, I'll have to ask you some questions offline about this, uh, but we'll definitely have Evan back. Uh, on the other end, if you're listening to this, you get enamored with cold prospecting, left and right. Maybe you're a marketer and you're just like, want to you're you're tired of just being someone that everyone's trying to look at and talk to you can use pitch fire people can pay you to uh to listen to their sales pitch and uh, not even listen you can just respond you get paid to respond to sales pitches um you can also use it to find meetings too if you want i know evan did some some of the experiments in his spreadsheet uh using pitch fire that's actually like what brought up this whole topic was was like you're bringing up all these experiments and stuff so evan's literally practicing what he's preaching all the time in marketing and demand gen and stuff. So uh, go check that out. Pitchfire.com. It's free to sign up. Evan, thank you very much and happy holidays. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs>